Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse from the studios of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. It has been a couple of weeks since we've had a live live episode of That's Truth, and it is good to be back in the studio. Sitting across the desk from me is not Pastor Murphy. Instead, in his absence, we have a very capable teacher who is very familiar to you as a listener of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. You will undoubtedly recognize the voice of Brother Nestor Campbell the teacher on the program Love and Service, which airs on Monday and Wednesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Brother Campbell, thank you for coming to the studio, and thank you for teaching and for answering our questions. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate the opportunity provided by Brother Murphy to share in God's Word. As we uh, often do, uh, with our different topics here on That's Truth. We often start out with like a definition of uh, terms. And tonight we're going to be talking about the deity of Christ. And Brother Campbell, for someone who doesn't claim to be a Christian, maybe someone who claims to be a Christian or a believer, and maybe they really are, but that phrase, deity of Christ, is not a term they would use in their everyday life. What do you mean, in general terms, by the deity of Christ? Simply put, my brother, it is uh, saying that Christ is God. Not a God, because there is one God, but he is God as one who comes out from the Father. Uh As a result of coming out from the Father, he is the Son of God. But that is not the same as a person saying, we are all sons of God. We are sons of God by creation. And uh, according to uh, John chapter 1, verses 11, 12, we are sons of God by salvation. So there are those who all are sons by creation, but only some are sons by salvation. But Jesus is not in that category. In uh, John chapter 16, verse 27, we are told there, Jesus says, I come out from the Father. And that makes it clear that he is of the nature of the Father. So that as the Father is God, 
the son that comes out of him, uh, there reference there in John 16, verse 27, the son is of the same nature, of the same being as the father. Hence, we recognize that there is God the Father and God the Son. God the Son means that he is deity. He is God. Now, that sounds good, but it sounds more like a, a seminary class or maybe an in-depth Sunday school class. But does this, is it really practical? Or why, do, why is it important that we talk about this topic? Very important, extremely important. Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we believe in him, then we have to believe that he is who he says he is. We have to believe that he is one with the Father. We have to believe that he is the Son of God, an expression that was understood in his days to mean that he is God. You see that in John chapter 10, where the, uh, the Pharisees went about trying to stone him. Jesus says, I've done many good works among you. For which one you want to stone me? They said, no, we don't want to stone you for a good work. We want to stone you because you being man claim to be God and so you are committing blasphemy so they understood when Jesus said I and the father are one and when he says I am the son of God that he was actually saying he is God and interestingly enough Jesus did not try to get around that uh, except of course to point out to them that if they could accept that there were people like gods referred to in the Old Testament. If they could accept their people like gods to whom the word never came, how much more should you accept that him, he to whom the word came is God or is the Son of God? I've got a question for you. Mm -hmm. Some may consider it a rather provocative question or a decisive question, divisive question. Brother Campbell, can a person be a born-again Christian, be a believer, be on their way to heaven, and not believe in the deity of Christ? Yes, I probably didn't get to make that one point very clear. And uh, that is, the answer to that is no. Sorry that I'm bringing, bringing it out so bluntly, but... That verse that I quoted, John 3 and 16, Jesus says that he, the Son, is given by the Father to the world, that whosoever believeth on the Son would not perish. And believing on the Son is believing who he says he is. We can't say we believe on him and think that he's an angel or he's an archangel. He, that's not what he says he is. And that's not what the Bible says he is. And I hope that we will get into uh, the study to the point where we can see clearly that Jesus is not an angel. As a matter of fact, the Bible makes it clear. It says, 
And God said to all, God, the word of God says, let all the angels of God worship him. We read that in Hebrews chapter 1. Let all the angels of God worship him. Who else should be worshipped but God? And uh, so as the one who comes out from the Father, imparted and given a body, a body created, as we read in uh, Hebrews 10, a body hast thou made me. God has prepared a body for him to dwell in. It's a very special body for his son to dwell in. And that body was conceived in a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And as a result of that, he had a special body to do something special. But in that special body, he could suffer pain, hunger, tiredness, all this, the, the, the test things that we had, he endured, and he even died. Now, that to me, that is part of the mystery that makes salvation so great that we read about in Hebrews chapter 2. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If it's a great salvation, then we can't simplify it and think that, well, Jesus is just a man like us, but a good man, a good prophet, a good teacher, and he died for us. We can't uh, have that kind of attitude. We have got to understand that nothing about God is simple, and everything about God is beyond human understanding, but not beyond human belief. And that is where faith comes in. So those who will not believe that Jesus is who he says he is are not exercising faith in him. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Before we go any further, let me take just a moment to share our contact information. If you have a question, and by the way, we are glad that you are listening. Whether you are at home, whether you're in the car, whether you're at work, whether you got earbuds in while you're jogging down the street or you're on an elliptical machine at your gym, we are glad that you're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, and that's truth. The voice that you've heard teaching is that of Brother Nestor Campbell, and he is here to answer your questions. You can communicate with us in a number of ways. You can call and be put live on the air. After all, this is a live call-in program. And the phone number to call to be put live on the air is 1-268-462-7420. That phone number will get you to the call screener who will then pass you on, and you'll be put live on the air. If you would rather not speak live on the air, but you have a question, we would love for you to still interact with us. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 1-268-782-1454. Again, that number to WhatsApp or text is 1-268-782-1454. Maybe you have a question but you're worried that it's considered a elementary question or something that everyone should know? Or Let me put your mind at peace. We are not here to argue with you. We are here to hear your questions, hear your concern, and then answer it from the Bible. Because ultimately that is the source of truth that all of us have to determine how we're going to handle it. Are we going to reject it or are we going to accept it? But it is 
unending eternal truth. And Brother Campbell is here to answer your questions through the Word of God. Maybe it's not a question, but it's a suggested topic that you would like discussed on a future episode of That's Truth. We would love for you to WhatsApp or text your topic, and we will prayerfully consider it for a future topic. Maybe today has been the absolute best day of your life. I would say maybe you won the lottery, but I hope you're not playing the lottery. But maybe it has been the absolute worst day of your life. Maybe you've even been contemplating hurting yourself. Please don't, but please keep your radio dial tuned to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. And please continue to listen, because God loves you. God has a plan for you. And we are here to assist you as you draw closer to him every day. You can email your questions to crlthatstruth at gmail.com. You say, well, that is a long email address. Let me break it down for you. It's one word, no space, no apostrophes. CRL, that's truth at gmail.com. And the final way that you can interact with us on tonight's program is through Facebook Live. And this is not only you being able to listen to us and send in your questions, but also you can watch behind the scenes. Go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, click on the Facebook Live video feed, and right there on your device, whether it's large or small, in the comments section, you can send your questions and they'll be passed along to Brother Campbell live on the air in a timely manner. Again, the name of the radio program is That's Truth, and we are here to answer your questions. And tonight, while we wait for your questions, we're talking about the topic of the deity of Christ. Brother Campbell, is this topic of the deity of Christ, is this something that has just recently been uh, become controversial, or is this something that back to the roots of Christianity has been debated and uh, discussed back and forth? It has been discussed uh, back and forth. We don't have some specifics, but we have uh, an indication of this uh, in Second Peter chapter 3, where uh, Peter mentions to his, uh, the persons to whom he was writing, um, that many persons were wrestling with the truth that Paul preached according to the wisdom that God gave him. And uh, uh, it's a good verse to read. Second yeah. um, Peter 3. Uh, it's a good verse to read. I think, but anyhow, the point is that uh, persons were wrestling with this truth. Verse fourteen. Verse fourteen says, Second Peter three fourteen. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Uh, go to sixteen, please. Fifteen and sixteen. Okay. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written to you, in verse 16, as also in all, thing, in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, 
which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. The things that Paul preached, for example, in Philippians chapter 2, were where he mentions that Jesus was in the form of God and thought it not something to be grasped after or, or you know, to be uh, regarded as God, but he made himself of no reputation. Now that's hard to, uh, to, to understand. That's the kind of thing that people will wrestle with. And Paul ends up that little section of Philippians chapter 2 by saying that in the end, every knee shall bow to Jesus mm. and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and God will be well pleased to the glory of God the Father. And so this is what is happening here and it has happened through the years. There are various topics, not just this one, but there are other topics that persons uh, wrestled with. Uh, you go to the Revelation chapters 2 and 3 and Jesus points out some of the things that um, the errors that were there in the church the doctrine of the Nicolaitans the uh, false prophet prophetess um, who claims that she is a prophetess and those who claim that they are apostles and are not and so there was always a struggle with truth understanding and uh, um, explaining truth. Thank you for that information, Brother Campbell. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The name of the program is That's Truth. It's a live interactive program. The time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 48 minutes after 7 p.m. Still over an hour and 10 minutes left in this episode. So go ahead, encourage your family, your friends, your co-workers, send them a WhatsApp, a text message, leave them a voicemail, send them a Facebook message, call down the hall to them, say, listen to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, and that's truth. Send in your questions, and we'll be glad to answer them from Scripture. Again, if you have a question and you'd like to send it in, you can send it via WhatsApp or text message to 268-782-1454. The phone number to be put live on the air is 268-462-7420. Now, Brother Campbell, I know we're talking about the deity of Christ this evening, but a question that recently has been brought to my attention, how would you respond from a biblical perspective to the, to those who argue that the name or the word Elohim in Genesis 1-1 is plural the subject verb is singular, and that provides evidence that there's only one God, God the Father. There's not God the Son. There's not God the Holy Spirit. How would you answer that from a scriptural standpoint? Yes, a uh, very important question to be answered. And the interesting thing about it is that those who make that claim give the answer to the question as the problem about the concept. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, they point out that Elohim is plural in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, for example. 
and uh, elsewhere in the scriptures. Um, and it is consistently uh, used in the plural in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, it is uh, from the research that I did, it was used 2,500 times in the plural. But yet it is accompanied by a singular verb. So it is as it were, the subject is plural, but the action is singular. Isn't that contrary to everything that our grammar teachers taught us in primary school? This is exactly why we cannot simplify or well, simplify the things of God. God is higher than our thoughts. Mm -hmm. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And we have just got to accept not only that he can be what he says he is, but that he is what he says he is. So I would say that uh, it is consistently used this way, not to prove that there is one God, as the singular subject would suffice for that. I mean, you know, the singular subject is suff sufficient to indicate that there is one God. You don't need the plural subject. But it is used instead that God is in the form of three persons, hence the plural subject, while existing and acting as one God, which is what he is. Were they existing as three gods, the plural verb would certainly have been used, as you said, brother, it's, it's in accordance with what we were taught in school. The plural uh, verb would have, would have used, the subject verb. But because they exist as one in three persons and act as one, the singular verb is used with the plural subject. Note that this fact is emphasized, emphasized some 2,500 times in the Old Testament. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 7.52. If you have a question that you would like to ask, maybe it's relating to the deity of Christ, maybe it's relating to the Trinity, maybe it is not related to that at all. We would love for you to call in and ask your question. You can call and be put live on the air at 1-268-462-7420. Or you could WhatsApp or text your question to 1-268-782-1454. Real quickly, back to that question, Brother Campbell. So you're saying the question is asked as if to poke holes in the idea of the Trinity but when you study it, actually it is supporting the Trinity and is a basis for belief in the Trinity. Precisely. As we uh, continue on this topic, what are some key ideas or thoughts that you'd like to draw to our attention in relation to the deity of Christ? I know earlier you were talking about deity by origin and deity by form as referring to Christ. Yes, that's a, a, a necessary area if we're going to think about the deity of Christ. And uh, some notes I have here uh, is that he, to speak of his deity by origin, and I've already referred to John sixteen twenty seven, where he says, I came out from the Father. And that makes him of the same nature of the Father. 
You know, I, I, I am human, and I don't expect that my son or my daughter will be anything but human. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you don't expect that Jesus coming out from the Father will be any less than God. And Jesus himself in John 5, uh, 19 there on, makes that point. He says that uh, they that honor their father must also honor the son with the same honor with which they honor the father. So he's uh, deity by origin, deity in form. He was the brightness of God's glory. Just how God, as bright as God was, that's how bright, or I should say as bright as God's glory was, that's how bright was his glory. And the expressed image of his person. We read that in Hebrews 1 and 3. We also have that men uh, mentioned in other terms in Philippians 2, verses 2 to 8. This means he is how God is. So he is deity, in, uh, deity by origin, deity in form. He's deity in power. If we, in, what God can do, he can do. What God does, he does. And people recognize it. Said, Who on earth could forgive sins but God? And then Jesus says, take up your bed and walk, and they're all amazed. You know? Who can control the seas? Who can walk on the water? And as Jesus said, many good works have I done, for which one do you stone me? Because they all show that I am God, the Son of God. Brother Campbell, if I can interrupt you for just a minute, we have a WhatsApp question that has come in from Trinidad and Tobago. Brother Campbell, can a JW or Jehovah's Witness be saved? I hope so, but I don't know how. <laughs> I hope they can be saved. And I know that many of uh, persons who believe like I do generally would probably find a way of explaining how they can be saved. And I myself have been looking at it out of concern for some people. But as I said earlier, if you pull down Jesus rather than lift him up, mm. you cannot please God. And you pull him down so that you can understand him. You bring him to a level that you can both understand for yourself and explain to others. And the, 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 the day I got saved, I, I received Christ as my Savior, not the exact day, but maybe a day or two after, there was a gentleman, a, a well-known Jehovah Witness, heard the news. I was a boy in my father's house, and he came straight to my father's house and sat me down to talk, point out to me all the nonsense that I believe. Now, if uh, what I believe is what's going to save me, and he considers it nonsense, hmm. it's difficult for me to see him being saved. God is the final judge, but Jesus made it clear. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. They have to believe on Jesus, and they must lift him up not pull him down. As you were answering that question, I was just thinking, and that question could be interpreted two different ways, and I think you interpreted it as, I'm guessing it was written, can a person who believes the, what the Jehovah's Witness believe be saved? But let me take that from another angle. Mm -hmm. Brother Campbell, what, if someone is a Jehovah's Witness, if someone is a 
the worst sinner out there that's listening tonight, and they say, I realize I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. What do I need to do to become a Christian? What do I need to do to become a child of God? What do I need to do to become saved? What is the plan of salvation? The plan of salvation is explained very clearly in John chapter 10. Sorry, in Romans chapter 10, where we find the sequence of events leading to salvation. Um, In verse 14, it starts off, Romans 10.14, would you like me to read it? Yes, you can read it. Okay. Romans 10.14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay. So we start the movement from the bottom. A preacher comes and preaches that the person is a sinner and needs to be saved. And uh, the person, having heard the full gospel, it says, believes in him, that is, believes in Jesus, that he is who he says he is, and that he died for their sins. So you're a sinner, the preacher preaches, Your understanding is that Jesus died for your sins. And then it says they would call on him because they now believe. So they hear, they believe, they call. And then because they call on him, they then, in verse 13, exercise faith in him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of of the Lord shall be saved. They call on him for salvation. And the whole salvation story is about faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result of doing that, verse 9, verses 9 and 10 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You need to be open with your testimony that Jesus was raised from the dead by the mighty power of God spoken of in Philippians chapter 1 after dying for our sins. And without faith in Christ, salvation is assured. Thank you to the individual who sent in that question. If you have a question, you can send it via WhatsApp or text message to 268-782-1454. That's the WhatsApp or text number. To be put live on the air, it is a different number. Listen close if you're getting ready to dial it, and I will give it to you. To be put live on the air, call 268-462-7420. Or you can join us on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook Live video feed, and then... Uh, right there on your device while you watch the program behind the scenes to listen to the program. You can also comment your questions right there in the comment section on your device and they'll get passed along to the live program in a timely manner. We have just under an hour left in tonight's episode of That's Truth. 
If you've just tuned in and you say, I don't hear the voice of Pastor Murphy. Pastor Murphy is out of the studio tonight, but Brother Nestor Campbell is here filling in for him. You say, that voice sounds really familiar. Where do I recognize it from? Well, you recognize it from maybe other places, but definitely from the broadcast Love and Service here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse at 8.30 p.m. on Mondays and Wednesday evenings. As we continue this topic, we are talking about the deity of Christ. And we touched earlier on the Trinity very briefly. But Brother Campbell, I have another question that uh, has come to my attention recently. If you claim that the Bible teaches or claims one God, as Deuteronomy 6.4 does, and I'll read that in just a minute, and then it's reiterated by Jesus in his teachings and by the apostles in their writings. How can you then argue that God is three persons? And I'm just going to, for the sake of being able to do justice to the question and set the context, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So the question is, how can you go contrary to that? and say that there are three gods or three persons in the Trinity? Uh, Firstly, by looking at the way God created us, we can understand a little of what it is to be one individual made up of three persons. (laughs) We were made spirit, which makes us God conscious. We were made with the soul, God breathed into man the breath of life, and he became a living soul, which makes us self-conscious. The spirit is what makes man wants to worship. Even if he never hears about God, he still wants to worship. The soul is what makes us aware of our feelings, our emotions, sadness, joy. It makes, it's, it's makes us self-conscious, self-awaring. It has the self-awaring qualities. And the body, which makes us world conscious. Because of my body, I know that uh, Brother Nathan is sitting in front of me, my eyes. I know that the desk in front of me is made of solid material. And so forth. My body makes me conscious of the world. Your body enables you to be aware of the person next to you because you see and touch. Another day, the same person is next to you displaying extreme emotions and you, you you realize what kind of person is this is this the same person I saw yesterday or the day before there's something another part of him that is acting up but later he may receive Christ as a savior and you see him worshiping God and that is another personality on display but it's one and the same person But that's how God created us. And so if you um, I would say put it this way, my spirit is me. My soul is me. And my body is me. All three are the one and the same person. In the same way we can understand that God is three persons in one, but in an infinitely more superior way not as simple as body soul and spirit 
Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.06. If you're listening to the program and it's not Tuesday evening, rather it is Saturday afternoon, we are glad that you have tuned in to That's Truth. Maybe you have a question and you're only able to listen on Saturday afternoon. Listen, go ahead and send in your question via WhatsApp or text message. We will answer it, Lord willing, the following Tuesday as we uh, do the live broadcast. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454. Brother Campbell, uh, I had interrupted you as you were going through your notes and uh, teaching, giving us some critical information about the deity of Christ. You were uh, talking about deity in power, and uh, you had referenced a couple of uh, examples there or ideas there. I will fade down my mic and let you continue to teach. Um, Just before I go back to that, I would also like to add on the uh, question of the Trinity, Um, still implying one God that we being three we being soul, spirit and body spirit, soul and body are one person and uh, but we can't impart any part of us from ourselves but God the Father can impart from himself God the Son and God the Holy Spirit or he would not be God. If he can't do that, it means he's limited. He would not be God. And so Jesus focused his final discourse found in, with his disciples, found in John 14, 16, 14, 15, and 16. He focused his discourse on convincing the disciples that he was one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit. You read that and you can't you read those chapters and you can't miss it. However, he knew that because that uh, the disciples by nature and nurture saw belief in one God as a life or death issue because they grew up in a society in which there's any thought of a second God used to be stoned to death. And Jesus knew that they were not ready for everything that could be taught about the oneness of the triune God. And so he prepared them by giving them information. And, you know, I've been going through it uh, over the past couple of nights, and I was just amazed at the abundance of information that Jesus supplies to them in preparation for the time when the Holy Spirit will take control and help them to understand better about God being three persons in one. So I would say that uh, Jesus knew he could be misunderstood by the natural man as suggesting multiple gods, and the disciples would have had a real hard time with that, as they are now misunderstood by many people today who are arguing that we're teaching multiple gods. Not at all. That they were not quite, he realized that they were not quite ready for the idea of one God in three persons. Hence he presented them with the facts, but only in ways that would be made clear after they were baptized 
by the Holy Spirit. He said, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He assured them that the Spirit will come and guide them into all truth. Brother Campbell, uh, as you were answering that question, another question came to my mind, and it relates to Isaiah 9, 6, which says, it's a verse we're very familiar with, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We oftentimes hear that around Christmas time and setting the mood or introducing a song at Christmas time. In reference to that verse and the phrase Mighty God, it is sometimes argued that that phrase Mighty God is translated elsewhere in Scripture not consistent with this verse. And my question to you is, if that's the case, should we use this verse to prove that Jesus is God? Let me say that the translators would have used the science of etymology, you know, the origin of words, morphology, the compartments of words, uh, or the division and meaning of sections of words. They would have used oral traditions because uh, as, as Moses taught, Moses was told to teach the people that they should speak the law unto their children and pass them on to other generations and so forth. Um, they, they, they would, so there's oral tradition, that which is passed on by word of mouth. There is contemporary literature in those days where these words are used and in the context in which they are used, the meaning is clear and the, 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 these translators would become experts at uh, fitting the right word in the right uh, context. Um, even secular writings would have helped them and other social sciences, social sciences available at the time to determine where and how semantics, words and meaning, and context would determine a word should be translated, how it should be translated in that particular context, using all those variables that uh, would impact the, the particular meaning in the particular context. Now, I know that that probably sounds like a uh, seminary, but... I didn't get that from seminary and I didn't get it from a book. I get it from common sense and from doing a little linguistics at universities, university many years ago. And uh, other social sciences available at the time to determine where and how semantics and context would determine how a word should be translated. Having a word translated in one way in one place of literature and another way elsewhere in the same piece of literature does not signify a bias or an error on the part of the translators, as some claim. I was reading uh, one presentation where that was the claim, that the translators were biased towards the deity of Christ. And so, uh, whereas they translated it in another way elsewhere, in this particular context in, in uh, Isaiah 9 and 6, they translated as mighty God and everlasting Father. But here's a simple example 
having said all those highfalutin things, which I hope I tried to explain as I went along, the, I gave the definition of the terms that I used. Here is a simple example in which the same English word can be used differently in two sentences to indicate a different message. One, here's a sentence. The government sanctioned the decision of the ambassador to travel first class as it was befitting his status as the nation's diplomatic representative. The government sanctioned. It means they approved it. So I can replace sanctions with approved. B, another sentence. The minister was sanctioned for his conduct, which brought shame on the country. Same word sanctioned, but I can translate that as uh, disapproved or condemned. So in the same way, the, the translators could use it in John nine, in uh, Isaiah nine and six, to mean Mighty God, Everlasting Father, but use it in another, uh, with another interpretation, in another uh, context, you know, where he's referring, for example, to generals in the army, and 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 uh, translated as mighty men, as against mighty God. Now. Uh, the same word used differently but correctly in two different circumstances. Similarly, the original term translated mighty God in, in, in Isaiah 9 and 6 can be translated differently in other contexts without it being seen as an error on the part of the translators. Note, even if the argument against the translation of Isaiah 9 and 6 were to stand. Let us say that they're, they're, they're correct. Yeah. There is still the overwhelming abundance of evidence in the Old and the New Testaments to make clear that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is one God. This is supported by the plural subject Elohim, as we mentioned earlier, accompanied by a singular subject verb found 2,500 times in the Old Testament and confirmed numerous times by the teachings in the New Testament. However, it does not take faith, sorry, however, it does take faith to believe God is who he says he is and it takes the Holy Spirit to make it clear to those who are willing to believe on him. Do you have a question that you would like answered from the Bible? Maybe you don't even claim to be a Christian. Maybe you're not a believer. We are glad that you are listening, and I sincerely mean that. And I know Brother Campbell appreciates you listening also. We would love to hear your question. Maybe it's not a question that you have, but it's something that a coworker asked you, a cousin, a family member asked you, and you're just not even really sure where to even begin answering it from a biblical worldview. You can call and ask your question by calling 268-462-7420. I'm going to give that to you again. Recently was told by someone that I talk too fast, so I'm going to make sure I give it a little bit slower to you. Call 268-462-7420. Two zero. 
or you can WhatsApp or text your question. And the great thing about that is you don't have to speak live on the air. So if you are not one to be speaking live on the radio, not a problem. Send it via WhatsApp or text message. And if you want it to stay anonymous, just at the beginning of your message, just put anonymous. Don't want to be drawn to me or anything like that. And we won't even uh, say what island you are sending your message from based on the area code. We will keep it completely generic. We won't even say what hemisphere you're listening from. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 268 782 one four five four. You can go to Facebook Live, Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, the Facebook Live video feed. Click on it, and then right there on your device, you can in the comments section send in your question, and it'll be passed along to Brother Campbell in a timely manner. We're talking in general terms. The overall arching topic tonight is the deity of Christ. It doesn't mean that your question tonight can't cover another topic. We are in no way limiting the spectrum of what your question can cover, but we are, while we're waiting for your question, we are talking about the deity of Christ. Brother Campbell has been sharing some many references, actually, about the importance of believing in the deity of Christ and the deity by origin and the deity in form and by power and what that means. And he's also been answering some questions that are often sometimes thrown out there as poking holes in the Christian uh, teaching of the Trinity. Brother Campbell, there's verse Hebrews 1.8, which says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. There are believers who would use that verse to ascribe deity to the Lord Jesus, when the verse could also be said that it's simply referring to the Messianic King of Israel. What are your thoughts on that? And before you answer, I'm just going to read the verse one more time just so it's fresh on our minds as you're answering. Hebrews 1.8 says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Well, for that question, I would like us to look at Hebrews. And I would say that the reason why I would continue to use that verse to point out the deity of Christ, uh, the reasons are many, and they're found in that very chapter. Um, and my brother, I think you're going to be able to help me with this because I'll just refer to the verses. Yeah. Uh, the first one is because he's not just the messianic king of Israel. He is the son. And that's God the son. By whom God the father made the worlds. Not just the messianic king of Israel. He made the worlds. Verse 2. Can you read that for us please? Hebrews 1.2 says, Hath in the last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. How are we going to pull down the God who made the world to say he's just a messianic king of Israel? So I will continue to use that verse. 
My second reason is because he is the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of who the Father is. He expresses who the Father is. I pointed that out already. Upholding all things by the word of his power. Let us give him glory. Don't let us pull him down. Verse 3, please, brothers. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of God, the majesty on high. My third reason is, he is the one of whom it is written, he was made so much better than the angels and had by inheritance obtained obtained a better name than the angels. At the risk of sounding repetitious, Please read verse 4. Yeah. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Exactly. So why shouldn't I recognize him as more than just the messianic king of Israel? My fourth reason is, he is the only one of whom the father says, Thou art my son. You can read the rest for us in verse 5. Verse 5, For unto us, which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Amen. Can God beget of himself that which is less than God? Hence, every time He indicated that he was the Son of God. The Jews understood him to be saying that he was God the Son and wanted to stone him. Hmm. Fifthly, my fifth reason why I will continue to use that to prove that he is God is because here he is not an angel being referred to as Elohim. He is the one that all the angels of God are commanded to worship. Can you please read that? Uh, Verse 6. Verse 6, please. Verse 6, Hebrews 1, 6, if you're wanting to follow along in your own Bible and you just tuned in, I'm reading Hebrews 1, 6. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Amen. Jesus himself told Satan on the temptation that only God should be worshipped. And that's truth. That's truth. (laughs) Only God should be worshipped. And God says, let all the angels, leaving none, meaning that Jesus was not an angel, leaving none, let all the angels of God worship him. That's why I love when the name of Jesus is lifted up. Amen. Thank you to the individuals who have sent in questions or uh, what's apt so far this evening if you have a question we would love for you to send it in maybe it's related to this topic maybe it's not we would love to field your question no matter what the topic and answer it from a biblical worldview. you can call and put live on the air 268-462-7420 or you can whatsapp or text your question to 268 268- Seven eight two, one four, five four. 
Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.27. We are broadcasting from the island of Antigua on 11.60 a.m., 92.3 FM, and online at radiolighthouse.org. And for this program, we're also on Facebook. Go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page and click on the Facebook Live video feed. Brother Campbell, we have a question that has come in in relation to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And we read those, and then I'll... Uh, they're just, the listener is looking for an overall explanation of this passage. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Again, that verse, if you're wanting to look it up in your own Bible and maybe make some notes for explanation as Brother Campbell gives some explanation, is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And thank you to the individual who sent in that question. Brother Campbell. Um, yes, and this is... And uh, uh, an amplification of the statement made in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse thirty-four, and I'll tell you why it is important to look at that. Okay, First Corinthians fourteen thirty-four. Yes. Okay, and that says, "Let your women keep silence in the church." For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Some persons interpret that to say that the women at Corinth were very disruptive in the meeting. And so Paul was just making a statement of uh, courtesy and politeness and uh, self-discipline. And that sounded that could sound good to a young believer, especially in these days when we have all kinds of rights. And political correctness. And political <laughs> correctness. <laughs> but when we go to First Timothy chapter two, it's not only explained, but the reasons are given. So he says, Let a woman uh, who's professing godliness, let a woman learn in silence with all subjection. And then he gives the reason in verse 13. Adam was first formed, then Eve. Now that's a good enough reason for the woman to defer to the man. But if that's not good enough, we have another reason. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So Adam knew full well what he was doing. He wasn't deceived by the devil. The woman was deceived by the devil, and she fell into transgression. And God, recognizing and in his, in his divine knowledge and wisdom, knew that the woman had failed man the first time, failed his creation by... Uh, succumbing to the the deception of the devil. 
And so God, having established his church, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, is going to protect his church now. And he's saying, this must not happen a second time. So we will not have the woman being the teacher in the church or the preacher in the church. And it is amazing that it is in these times that there is an explosion of women pastors and call them whatever, eloquent people, intelligent people, educated people, but misled people. And uh, yes, what the Bible says is to be followed and the reasons are given and they're very clear. Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in transgression. And having been deceived once, God doesn't want it to happen a second time. So the women should learn in silence. Now that does not mean that there's no role for the women in the church. There's a lot of roles. Women can speak to their, to, to the, to their pastors and say, well, pastor, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, they can work in their Sunday school. They can... Uh, do a lot of the social work. They can teach young ladies in young lady, young people's classes. They can do many things. But when it comes to exercising authority over the church of God, the Bible says that is not the place of the woman. Do you believe that that verse is uh, practical and is still to be applied today in 2022 as it was when it was written there in the book of Timothy and also in Corinthians? Well, I would say that it is. it will be time to change when history is changed and history cannot be changed. It did happen in the garden. And until we can change that, then the argument presented by Paul or the reasoning presented by Paul stands. And while the reasoning stands, the command stands. Very clear answer. Thank you for that. You're listening to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, and you hear the voice of Brother Nestor Campbell answering your questions as they come in. Thank you to the individual who sent in that question. Maybe you have a question and you would like it to be answered from the Bible. Maybe it's not a question that you want answered from the Bible. Maybe it's the Bible itself. Like this last question, you'd like some explanation of how a verse should be applied or what it means for us today in 2022. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454. Or you can call and be put live on the air by calling 268 268- 462-7420. Brother Campbell, any other thoughts you'd like to share in relation to the deity of Christ? Uh, earlier on in the program, you were talking about the deity in power, and before that you talked about the deity in form and deity by origin. Yes, sometimes it is easier to retain the information when they're broken down in this form. And I suppose it is the teacher in me, not only a teacher by profession for 30 years, some years ago, ending some years ago, but also 
I believe, a gifted teacher, uh, as God gave gifts to his church. Um, so to me, it's a privilege to, ch to share these. I'd be mentioned deity by origin. Good, good. If one is taking notes, that's a good thing to take note of. And the scripture for that is John sixteen twenty seven. Deity in form, Philippians two two and eight. Being for being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's Philippians two from I would say from verse five to eight. But um, so we we go on Hebrews one and three as well. Deity and power, as you mentioned, and I also mentioned the fact that um, the the man who was uh, a, a, a paralytic, he was paralyzed, and Jesus said to him, Thy sins be forgiven thee, and persons questioned, Who on earth has the power to forgive sins but God? And uh, Jesus showed that he had the power to do it, so that you may know that the Son of Man had power on earth, to forgive sins, I say unto thee, take up thy bed and walk. So, his deity by a uh, deity in power is evidence of his deity. Deity to be honored, uh, John five and twenty three. I don't know if you can read that for us, brother. I hope that's uh, yeah, I can. Right for John five twenty three. Just scroll down to the correct verse here that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Amen. So, he is deity by honor. The same honor you give to the Father is the same honor to be given to the Son. And how can you take away from him the clear indication, I don't even say implication, but I say indication, that this is... God the Son. Deity to be worshipped by man, Matthew 2 and 11. Um, I think that's where the, the Satan is told. I'm not sure. Yeah, Can Matthew, you find that to me, please? Yeah, Matthew 2, 11 says, And when they were come into the house, oh, yes. they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. That's right. So they worshipped him, and they did not do wrong. They, they didn't. There was no need to pull them out of the house and stone them. They were doing the right thing. So deity to be worshipped. John twenty twenty seven twenty eight, and uh, Thomas proclaiming, "My Lord, and my God." And of course, we read already Hebrews 1 and 6, where he's to be worshipped by angels, that all the angels of God worship him. Can we hear all of these things, brother, and still want to deny Jesus the fact of who he is? Hmm. Now, only God should be worshipped. Hence, the command given to all the angels of God to ascribe to him, the command given to all the angels of God is to ascribe to him the status of God. Let all the angels of God worship him. I want to hear the argument against that. Then he is the creator of all things on earth and in heaven. Who is the creator? But God. John 1, 1 to 3. Colossians 1 and 16. 
and elsewhere we read already in Hebrews 1 you know one with God in creation brother if I can interrupt you for mm -hmm. just a minute you referenced Thomas there as you were uh, talking about the previous passage uh, John 20 27 and 28 and that says then saith he to Thomas and these are the words of Jesus. Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. I have heard those who question the deity of Christ or the Trinity who would say he wasn't really, Thomas wasn't really referring to Jesus as God in this verse. How would you respond to that? I would say he was. I would say I would say that there is nothing to even remotely suggest otherwise. He was clearly addressing our Lord, and it was from our Lord came the reply. Whenever God has to intervene, it is always to elevate his only begotten son before fallen man as he did in Matthew 3 and 17 where he said Be, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased Matthew 17 and 5 he said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear ye him and in John 12 and 28 can you read for John 12 and 28 for us please absolutely John 12 28 says father glorify thy name then came there a voice from heaven saying i have both glorified it and will glorify it again note when god spake it was to elevate jesus before man to show that he approved of jesus and he would answer his prayers i will glorify my name Peter confirms this in his second epistle, 2 Peter 1 and 17, a beautiful verse to read. 2 Peter 1, 17 says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Yet when men speak, it is often to try to bring him down, when God means to lift him up. Let us lift up Jesus higher in our hearts. I don't know where you're listening from tonight. I don't know what your background is. I don't know whether you claim to be a believer, a Christian. I don't know whether maybe you made a profession of faith, a decision Five years ago, or I was going to say 95 years ago, but you probably wouldn't be still listening to us, so maybe 65 years ago, whatever the case may be, God has a plan for your life, and we are thankful that you are listening to the program tonight. If you have a question that you would like answered from a biblical worldview, we would love for you to WhatsApp or text your question to 268 782-1454 or you can call 268-462-7420 and that will put you live on the air 
after you speak to the call screener. Maybe you are needing some godly counsel. Maybe you are going through a difficult time. If you call us here at the Radio Lighthouse or just send a WhatsApp or text message to those numbers, we will be glad to uh, give you some counsel over the phone and then also to put you in contact with a local pastor or church leader in your area, on your island, for the purpose of answering your questions and providing you counsel. If you are calling during regular business hours, the number to call to reach us here at the Lighthouse is 268-462-1454. And nine out of ten times, it'll be Sister Marianne that will answer the phone and Uh, She will be glad to hear out whatever concern you have and either pass you along to Brother Erskine or myself or one of uh, either Sister Bev or Sister Shaniza in order for us to be able to spend some time praying with you and let us never underestimate the power of prayer and encouraging fellow believers. We are talking tonight about the deity of of Christ. It may be something that before tonight you thought, you know what, that sounds like a Bible doctrine that is only if I'm going to become a preacher, if I'm going to become a Sunday school teacher. And as I'm saying that, Brother Campbell is shaking his head no to the fact that it is an all-important doctrine that we need to be confident in from Scripture and believe with confidence as we are a child of God. Brother Campbell, got a question for you in relation to Acts chapter 5. A couple of verses there. Acts 5, 3 and 4 say, But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. My question is, was the Holy Spirit being referred to in those verses as God? Is that a proof of the Trinity? Yes, most assuredly. But not only here, but in Matthew 3.16, the Holy Spirit of God descending on him. Um, I don't know, can you read that? Yeah, question? Matthew 3.16 says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, remember this is in the Jordan River, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, let me put it this way, can the Spirit of God be anything but God? So the Spirit of God descending on him. How else would you refer to the Holy Spirit of God when Jesus himself says that God is a spirit? John 4 and 24. If you can read that first. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If God is a spirit, then his spirit must be God. And for the consideration of those who may still be looking in the Bible for the word Trinity, note that the Spirit of God is referred to as the Spirit of Christ 
that filled the prophets in the apostle Peter in in uh, Peter's epistle in First Peter one and eleven. First Peter one eleven says, "Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify." when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Amen. So, the next time that someone asks you uh, for proof of the Holy Spirit, remember that passage in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, where the Holy Spirit is referenced as being the Spirit of God. Another question that uh, has been, I've heard thrown out there, brother, is that we should be baptized in the name of Jesus or baptized in the name of the Holy, uh, of all three persons of the Trinity. Uh, what is the, the biblical teaching there as far as which name we should be baptized in? Well, Jesus, in his parting instructions to the disciples, said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Ho- and of the Holy Ghost. Peter, in his address at the on the day of Pentecost to the birth of the church, said, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of your sins." And I am. Um, convinced that Peter was making that remark not to say that you are baptizing in the name of Jesus, but in recognition of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the one who has saved you. I don't think Peter is changing the instruction that Jesus gave, that you should be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.48. We've got right about 10 minutes left in tonight's episode of That's Truth. If you have a question, go ahead and send it in very quickly. Send it via WhatsApp or text message to 268-782-1454. Or you can call and be put live on the air by calling 268 462 Seven four two zero, Brother Campbell, I had interrupted you as you were uh, teaching through some important teachings about the deity of Christ. I believe you had uh, just referenced that he is the creator of all things on earth and in heaven, and that... Uh, as such, God is the creator, and he's one with God. Yes, and um, in addition to that, he came out from the Father and will be reunited with the Father as one. Now, I don't get this as a teaching, and um, thank God I um, I have to say a little like Paul. Paul said that he didn't get his teaching from Peter or anyone else. He got it directly from the Lord. I've gotten my teachings directly from the Word of God, (laughs) from loving the Word and studying the Word. And uh, 
as I study these things, I realize that uh, that Jesus came out from the Father, and there's only one place that that statement is made, and we, we referenced it already, and that is John 16 and 27. The next verse says he came forth from the Father, that's 28. Um, but as I study that, and as I study 1 Corinthians 15, 28, um, I recognize that as he came out from the Father, the likelihood or the understanding I can have is that there is coming a time when God would have settled scores, as it were, or settled matters. And when we will relate to God not as so much, not as a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but as God who is all in all. And I don't know if you mind reading 1 Corinthians 15, 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So he who came out from the Father will come back into a state in which God is all in all. And for those who doubt his deity, they would, they would have all the evidence they need that they were wrong. We also have the fact that he's deity by proclamation, Isaiah 9, 6, one of the verses that is disputed by some people. He's deity by proclamation. He's proclaimed there. His name shall be called. He's de deity by acclamation, Revelations 1 and 14, they recognize him that sitteth on the throne and worship him and magnify and praise him as being worthy to receive all honor and praise and glory. You can make a note on verse 14. I don't know if you mind reading Revelation 5 and 14 for us. Revelation 5 and verse 14 says, And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And that's Jesus they were talking about. Fell down and worshipped. Now, there are also false teachings and interpretation. One is that he is a god. You know, if he is a god, and legitimately a god, then there would be many gods. He is God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God doesn't introduce him, Jesus, as the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and we should, should not uh, come to that conclusion either. He is one of God's two sons, the other being Lucifer. That's ridiculous. Uh, no, that's not an answer. But... Uh, that is certainly not uh, true, because if he, if Lucifer is his spirit brother, then it means that Lucifer would have the same quality of Jesus, mm. and therefore Lucifer would also be God, and uh, that is certainly not true. Much more and a lot more, but we have just a few minutes left in tonight's program and we're going to wrap things up tonight brother in Philippians chapter 2 and you referenced this earlier and it's one of my favorite passages in scripture talking about uh, and there's the way that Jesus 
uh, practiced humility and came to this earth. And then there's a verse that says that every knee shall bow. Is that saying that every knee, every person will finally acknowledge the deity of Christ, whether they acknowledge it in this lifetime or not, they will eventually acknowledge the deity of Christ? Is that a proper interpretation of that verse? Yes. And uh, somewhere in my notes, I make the point that uh, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Some will be doing it, um, acknowledging him and confessing that he is the God he said he is. And others will confess that they, he is the God they thought he wasn't. Hmm. And uh, certainly, I would prefer to be among those who confess that he is the God he says he is. I have a question that's coming from a listener. Uh, Brother Campbell, who baptized Jesus? John the Baptist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there any significance to the fact that Jesus was baptized? Any importance to that? Or is it just a good story to tell our Sunday school children when they're... I think there's more to it because the fact that John was prepared and sent for that purpose. And he said, he who sent me said that him who I baptize on him whom the Spirit descend and abide, he is the Savior. And uh, in the act of baptism, the Spirit did descend in the form of a dove and remained with him. So that was a testimony. So later when Jesus was speaking of those who gave evidence that he is, who he says he is, he referenced John. He said, you shall have John, and you thought certain things about him, but he witnessed about me. Were not John the Baptist and Jesus both fulfillments of prophecy? Uh, from the Old Testament. Oh, yes. Yes, in the case of John, uh, in um, in Psalm 118, I think it is about verse 27, there about, maybe about verse 26, there about, it says, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Um, but Isaiah had more specific uh, reference to John, um, I wouldn't be able to. You are uh, correct with the Psalm one eighteen twenty six. Mm-hmm. Says, "Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have of blessed course. you out of the house of the Lord." Mm-hmm. And that's referencing John the Baptist. Um, I think so. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. I know I'm putting you in the hot seat here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I have to be careful because it's a reference to Jesus himself. But um, okay, you know, in 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 the in the first chapter, is it of Luke? The reference was made to the scripture that um, indicated that John was to come and be a forerunner for Jesus. We have just a minute left in tonight's program, and I want to wrap things up by going back to one of the first questions I asked you in tonight's episode. Brother Campbell, can a person be a born-again Christian, a person headed to heaven, and not believe 
in the deity of Jesus Christ. I do not believe that is so. In 1 Corinthians 1, 18-22, Paul makes the point that some persons would uh, want a sign, some would want to uh, have it explained with wisdom, human wisdom, but he says it is those who believe in faith. They are the ones that will uh, be saved. And he says that he preached Christ, therefore I preach Christ and him crucified. I will know none other among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.